Talk 1110-993 WBT, the Pete Callender Show. Hour number three, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And uh, at Pete Callender is Twitter. Well, I mean, that's my Twitter handle. Although I've, I have been told that even if you follow me, you're not really going to see stuff I tweet because I've apparently earned myself some sort of a shadow ban, I guess. I don't know. Um, let me move on from the state stuff to a national. Look, I've been saying this, uh, and thank you, by the way. Uh, I think Tracy is her name. Um, just uh, I saw yesterday she said she was going back and listening to a bunch of old podcasts from the beginning of the pandemic. And that's when I was just doing my podcast. Uh, I was, uh, you know, off the radio in Asheville and before I came here and COVID hit. And so I just kept doing my show, but did it as a podcast. And obviously there were a lot of shows that were dedicated to COVID and the governor's press conferences. I watched every single one of them, had audio, went over all of the, the science and data. And I've been saying this from the beginning, which is, you know you're not going to be able to make the right call on every single choice presented to you. And sometimes you're going to be presented with just bad options. Sometimes there's no good option. There's just a less bad option. It's still a bad option. And I said then, I continue to say now, I'm not going to beat people up for making a choice that turned out to be wrong. If they say, hey, that was wrong, Right then, cool. We know it was wrong, but we need to know that. I'm not going to beat people up for making the wrong decision because we need the admission that the decision, whatever that was, was wrong. I'm not going to beat people up for making uh, a choice between you know two or three or four or five bad options and then saying you picked a bad option when that's all they had to choose from. Now that being said. I am still waiting for a lot of these people, Roy Cooper, to acknowledge, Mandy Cohen, that they have made bad decisions, that they picked the wrong option. And I haven't seen any of that coming from any of these people yet. Roy Cooper is, in fact, you know, he's in charge of the the governor's re-election, the Democratic Governors Association, getting Democrats elected as governors. They point to him as a success story. They point to him like, oh, can't we all just be like Roy? Uh, sorry, Ray, Ray Cooper. Look, that's what Hillary Clinton called him, his good friend or her good friend, Ray Cooper. And then Kamala Harris called him that again. So I don't know what to make of it. Right. If they just keep calling him Ray, then I'm assuming he's, you know, wants to be called by Ray. I don't know. Maybe he told them different pronouns. At any rate, um, the head of the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention announced plans to overhaul the agency. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, While admitting major mistakes in handling the pandemic. Oh, okay. See? So, all right. Well, let's hear them. You got to have the the debrief, right? You got to have the postmortem. All right, bad choice of words. You got to have the autopsy. Okay. We have to have some sort of assessment after the fact to see what went wrong. Quote, for 75 years, CDC and public health have been preparing for COVID-19, and in our big moment, our performance did not reliably meet expectations, said CDC Director Rochelle Walensky in a statement. Okay. 
She says, it's not lost on me that we fell short in many ways. Okay. Uh, we had some pretty public mistakes, and so much of this effort was to hold up the mirror to understand where and how we could do better. Okay. She shared a similar message in a video breaking the news last week to like 11,000 staffers, many of whom may be reshuffled in a reset. So you're going to just move some people around? Hmm. Prior to this pandemic, our infrastructure within the agency and around the country was too frail to tackle what we confronted with COVID-19. Oh, I get it. This is that thing where they're like, oh, we totally screwed up. We got it wrong. It's because we didn't do it hard enough. We were too timid. We needed to go bigger, big government. We weren't... (laughs) We weren't authoritarian, tyrannical enough. That's what happened. Quote, to be frank, we are responsible for some prim- for some pretty dramatic, pretty public mistakes from testing to data to communications. Such as notice this is what she said to people in the CDC. This is what her internal message was to employees. I mean, we haven't gotten this. As far as I know, right, I've not seen sort of a breakdown of here's how badly we, you know, screwed this up. I don't see that. Here's this area we screwed up and how we screwed it up. The planned reset, though, is going to revamp everything from the CDC's operations to its culture, moving away from focusing on academic studies to instead prioritizing responding to emerging emergencies. Oh, oh, great. That's fantastic. Right. So because you screwed it up so badly, you think this needs to be the focus from now on. Let's focus on the stuff that we didn't do well. And by the way, I should actually hang on a second. Let me pull up the. Uh, well, it's all right. The, the, the woman who went back and listened to one of my original podcasts, I wanted to say she said it was from like March of 2020 or something. And there was a quote in there that I used from I think it was the. It may have been Fauci or maybe it was Burks. I think it was uh, Dr. Burks. And she said that if we don't do something now, if we don't respond in the way that they are laying out, that one to one and a half a million, uh, one to one and a half million Americans would die from COVID. Total death count from COVID, if you believe the, the count as they count it, a little bit over a million Americans dead from COVID. So we, we did the thing that they wanted us to do. And it still resulted in the number of deaths that they predicted would be the worst case scenario. If we didn't do the things they did. Which makes you wonder, right? Like the obvious question there is, what if we hadn't done those things? Oh, it would have been worse. It would have been worse. Which, of course, you can't argue with a hypothetical because there's no way to know. Uh, Next up, this is, by the way, a story from the New York Post by Lee Brown. The uh, reset of the CDC comes after widespread criticism of the slow response to the pandemic, along with mixed messaging on masks, mandates, social distancing, and testing. There's also been some criticism mounting over the response the CDC has had um, to other public health threats, including the alarming spread of monkeypox. 
Have we renamed that thing yet? I'm just curious. Were they calling it monkeypox at the Pride Festival in Charlotte? We're ground zero for the monkeypox. And they had like the biggest Pride Festival ever. We're going to see... I'm not seeing a lot of the reports that we saw with COVID uh, at like the churches over super spreaders and uh, plague rats and such. I'm wondering, no, we don't get that kind of, it's different. Anyway, the overhaul is a CDC initiative and was not directed by the White House or other administration officials, insisted Walensky, who became the director in January 2021. This brings me to an editorial over at Issues and Insights, issuesinsights.com. It can no longer be denied that the government's bureaucratic response to the dreaded Wuhan flu was inadequate at best, near criminal at worst, and now the reckoning has begun. That can be seen in the CDC's new guidance on COVID, which is essentially an institutional mea culpa for mistakes that cost thousands of people their lives and sowed panic while doing little to halt the spread of the nasty virus. I've said this from the very beginning as well. If you are going to count up the death toll and and hang that on uh, or hang that around the necks of all the people that were opposed to lockdowns and, and the mandates and all that. If you're going to tag those people as murderers because they opposed your lockdown proposals and such, then what's the other side of the ledger? You have to do a tally on the other side of the ledger. How much damage was done? How many lives were wrecked and lost based on the policies, because there is another side to the ledger and you never hear that accounting. And that's what I'm waiting to hear. That's what I would like to see. Maybe a 9-11 style commission, something like that. We go over all of the costs and benefits of all the policies and such. What do you say? Transparency, anybody? News Talk 1110-993-WBT. The CDC's big fail on COVID-19. Where's the real accountability? That's the headline at a, at a, uh, of an editorial at... Ins, uh, all right, let me start that sentence all over again. Cue the music again. No, I'm kidding. All right. All right. Uh, the CDC's big fail on COVID-19. Where's the real accountability? Headline over at Issues and Insights in an editorial. It says... It welcomes the review by the CDC, but the shuffling of personnel, that's, that's not real accountability for what happened. The new guidance on COVID, which is basically a, a mea culpa for mistakes that were made. What they say is, in short, it unwinds, the new guidance unwinds nearly all of its previous COVID guidance. But the changes don't end there. CDC Director Dr. Rochelle Walensky has admitted that her agency failed the public's, quote, expectations in dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic and more recently, the monkeypox outbreak, which I've been told I need to actually change uh, the music instead of this for monkeypox, right? I need to I need to use the Wizard of Oz, I've been told, which is a fantastic idea, but I don't want to encourage or incite violence against monkeys. This was the, uh, the big warning last week when the World Health Organization said that they would start uh, rebranding the name monkeypox uh, 
uh, because it has such a, uh, a negative, stereotypical, or prejudicial effect, I guess, I, on monkeys, I guess. People are apparently attacking monkeys over this. Which makes you wonder, like, do they know something that we don't know? Right? If you've got these, you know, these third world countries where, you know, you got all the monkeys running around. You've seen the videos. They got, like, they come up and they, like, pick people's pockets and stuff. Or maybe that was Indiana Jones. Anyway, uh, I've seen video of monkeys doing crazy things, and they're all over the place in some of these countries. And so maybe people are attacking the monkeys because of the monkey pox. Which is weird because to me, like if you attack the monkey, chances are more likely, is it not, that you're going to get some of the monkey pox on you? I don't know. The review, well, that's true. So you, uh, I've heard in all the reports that you get it most likely from uh, if you are a man that has sex with another man. And I'm not trying to assign gender to anybody. I'm just telling you that's the line that's being used. But I'm not sure. If it means what we all used to think that sentence meant, like as of three years ago. The re- uh, review was long overdue. Walensky now admits that the CDC had become too wedded to an academic model in which publishing studies took precedence over actually dealing with public health emergencies. Well, I think it probably happened when Dustin Hoffman and Rene Russo retired. That, I think, probably I mean, that just gutted the institution on their response, you know, capabilities. The CDC also conceded that if it had moved key people around every few months, or sorry, that it had moved key people around every several months, and that added to confusion over policies and how they were communicated to the public. What? You are moving people around every few months? Does that sound like a good idea during a pandemic? Now officials will stay in one post for at least six months. <gasps> no. Oh, my gosh. You're going to see a lot of people quit. How dare you say that I have to stay on the job for six months during a pandemic in an agency designed to respond to pandemics? So the uh, edit- uh, editorial board at Issues and Insights say that's all well and good. Certainly, we applaud any federal agency that seriously reassesses itself and makes reforms as a result. But... We can't shake the feeling that these are mostly superficial changes and they're being made in advance of the midterm elections. You know, a bureaucratic, my bad, and a reshuffling is not going to do. People died unnecessarily and our entire economy was, for no good reason, shut down. Our government did this. They go on to say later in the piece that it cost the U.S. and the world trillions of dollars in output pushed millions of people around the globe back into poverty. Worst of all, it killed an estimated six and a half million people, more than one million of those right here in America. Changing a few rules will not erase this. There should be consequences for those who lied to us, who were simply incompetent, or both. He mentions, uh, or they mention, uh, the uh, now-retired National uh, Institutes of Health Director Francis Collins. He of the... Uh, the guitar singing right at the for his uh, retirement. You remember that one? Oh, I'll find it. Okay, I'll find it. Francis Collins, as he's retiring, he he does a little parody song of, uh, on COVID because, of course, you know why not? 
shouldn't top people at the CDC lose their jobs? Anthony Fauci saw he was in the news today. He's going to totally retire now, but probably do something else, right? He's not going away. In the private sector, people who screw up, particularly screw up very badly, they get shown the door. But in the public sector, they admit their sins, perform a public act of contrition, and then return to work ready to sin again. And their incompetence becomes entrenched. This is the problem. This is why a debrief, a post-mortem, is required. An honest one. Past the pandemic, when we're free, there's a life I remember full of activity. Somewhere past the pandemic, masks will come off. No more need for a nose swab every time we cough. As we are gathered here today, COVID's toll has hit and sent us reeling. But partners like the ones right here will help to make the pathway clear to find a true healing. Somewhere past the pandemic, life will resume. We'll all complain about the traffic Forgetting how we hated Zoom. Somewhere past the pandemic, we'll hug our friends and thank the people and science that brought the pandemic's end. My dozen years are almost through, but it's been great to work with you. Let's end COVID now. Oh, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Francis Collins, everybody. Francis Collins, that is the former National Institutes of Health Director. Got off a little choppy there. I apologize. I forgot to plug my laptop back in. But... Francis Collins singing us out, singing us out of the pandemic he did. That's, that should be good enough, right? As far as debriefs go, postmortems go, uh, right? That should be fine. Brownstone.org, doing a lot of work on the coronavirus front. And uh, Jeffrey Tucker, foremost uh, in charge of this effort. And uh, he goes through... He says it was a good but bizarre day when the CDC finally reversed itself fundamentally on its messaging for two and a half years. They put out the new report, the new summary of guidance. He says the wording was chosen very carefully, not to say anything false outright, much less admit any errors of the past, but to imply that it was only possible to say these things now. And then he has a passage that he quotes from, you know, SARS-CoV-2 continues to circulate globally high levels of vaccine and infection-induced immunity and the availability of effective treatments and prevent... Oh, treat treatments. Oh, interesting. Because I, I remember when 
all of the focus was on prevention, right? It was all about prevention. There's virtually nothing about treatment. And I kept asking that in the early days, why are we not focusing on the treatment? And this was one of the, uh, 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 Peter, oh, I'm drawing a blank on his last name, uh, but he testified in front of the Texas State Senate at one point, Aunt McCullough, and he was like, why are you as a doctor not focused on the patient in front of you? He said this is the first time that doctors said, we're closing our, we're going to close our offices don't come in. We're not going to treat the patients. We're not going to see anybody. And so what he, and it reminded me actually of what a fellow by the name of Dr. Jemsek did with Lyme disease. He was here in Charlotte years ago and he just started he was like a leading doctor in the field of HIV AIDS and such and he just treated people's symptoms. When they came in and they presented symptoms and he would address the symptoms. And then he got in all sorts of trouble because how he was doing that was not the way that the, um, essentially, the pharmaceutical industry wanted him to do it. Because they were like, you're giving away too many of these uh, antibiotics for too long. And we all know that Lyme disease only needs a 14-day treatment or something. And they ran him out of the state, Dr. Jemsek, back then. I mean, this was like 15 years ago in North Carolina. Same sort of stuff I saw happening with with COVID. You had doctors that were saying, hey, we've been treating using this course, using this, you know, battery or cocktail of different uh, treatments and medicines, and they were vilified for it. How dare you? How dare you try to, what, help people? How to treat them? Tell them this. You you would prefer, and this was, remember, this is how it, it started, was they would say, stay home, and if you start feeling like really, really bad, then rush over to a hospital where you're probably going to die. That was the course of treatment. So in English, Jeffrey Tucker says, basically everybody can go back to normal. Focus on illness that is medically significant. Stop worrying about positive cases because nothing's going to stop them. Think about the bigger picture of overall social health, uh, health and end the compulsion. Mass testing? Now forget about it. Now, uh, only when you're symptomatic or if you have a known or suspected exposure. Track and trace? No. Only in healthcare settings and certain high-risk congregate settings. What about the unvaccinated? Those who were so demonized over the last year and a half or so. Well, now the CDC's COVID-19 prevention recommendations no longer differentiate based on a person's vaccination status because breakthrough infections occur Though they are generally mild and persons who have had COVID-19 but are not vaccinated have some degree of protection against severe illness from their previous infection, as everybody who knew anything about viruses knew two years ago. So the dismissal of people went like me when we said, hey, well, you know, herd immunity, that's where we want to get to, whether it's through vaccine or whether it's through people getting it and surviving. And generally, those people tended to be younger. Right. So doesn't it make more sense not to lock them down because there are all sorts of side effects on that side. And if they're not getting it bad as a younger person and they're not dying from it, don't you want more of those people to get it? And then they would have immunity. And then that gives the herd the immunity, much like every other virus that we've seen. 
But now the CDC does not make any distinction, no differentiation between vaccinated and unvaccinated people. Hey, uh, you might want to give a heads up to a lot of the corporate entities that apparently have not gotten the updated guidance. couple of messages, one from Justin on the CDC's, quote, accountability. Millions lost livelihoods without recourse. No one's sure what they could do. Disposed of under the guise of mutual separation from jobs. Just following the CDC. Well, what now? There must be accountability. We haven't even gotten to discussion of the effects of the shots. Here's another one from Thomas, who says, lost in all the rush to vaccinate the world, Dr. Robert Malone, a pioneer in the fundamentals of DNA and RNA, mRNA vaccine technologies, warned the world medical community that you don't vaccinate a global population while going into a pandemic. It just makes it worse and stimulates mutations and variants, treating the vulnerable, allowing for natural immunity and treating the sick with proven medications is the best course of action. Indeed, when Robert Malone went on the Joe Rogan podcast I did a whole podcast off of that audio because I'm a thief. But also, it was valuable information that people needed to hear, I thought. And I I don't, you know, I'm not a scientist. But I feel like when a scientist that is a pioneer in that field offers a view, I think it's worth noting because I've been noting all of the other scientists that are saying the opposite. So why not? It's one of the things that really drove me nuts on the... uh, uh, Open my eyes on the global warming topic, too. Oh, so, or, sorry, climate change uh, or weirding of the weather, as the Democrats tried to paint uh, Cory Gardner in Colorado. Anyway, uh, one of the things that struck me was when one side of a debate says the debate is over, the science is settled, essentially is telling you to shut up. And that that always makes me bristle. That makes me wonder, hmm, why don't you want to have this discussion? Because they're... I mean, they're not just coming in and, like, calling you names. They're raising questions. And they're presenting evidence. And they're positing different theories. And your position is that simply having that discussion is dangerous. Why? Because people might not think you're correct. Well, people should think you're correct or not based on the science and data, as the incantation goes. Back to Jeffrey Tucker at brownstone.org. The problem from the beginning was that there was never an exit strategy from the crazy lockdown mandate idea. He's exactly right. I said this too for over the course of the pandemic. Where's the off-ramp? Where's the off-ramp here? There has to be one. I got off at the boosters. That's when, uh, when I was like, okay, you, you guys are just, now you're just kind of going crazy. Like, I got the first shot. I'll be your lab rat. And I know people disagreed and they had different comorbidities and personal choices. And I didn't bash anybody for making a different choice or the same one that I did. I object to the mandates. I object to people thinking that they know what my doctor tells me and and what your doctor tells you. But I'm a live and let live kind of a guy. I mean, that's me as a you know limited government, lowercase l libertarian. But there had to be an off-ramp. It was never the case that they would magically cause the bug to go away. The excuse that we would lock down and wait for a vaccine never made any sense. People surely knew early on of the social, economic, and cultural devastation that would ensue. If they did not, well, then they never should be anywhere near the control switches of public health because there are trade-offs on all of this stuff. 
Badges and bureaucracies, Tucker writes, do not terrify a virus destined to spread to the whole planet. And not one person with even the most casual passing knowledge of coronaviruses could have sincerely believed that a vaccine would magically appear to achieve something never before achieved in the whole history of medicine. When the Great Barrington Declaration appeared on October 4th, 2020, it caused a global frenzy of fury, not because it said anything new. It was the opposite, actually. It was just a restatement of basic public health principles, which pretty much instantly became verboten on March 16th, 2020, when Fauci and Burks announced their grand scheme. So finally, nearly two years later, the CDC has basically embraced the Great Barrington Declaration. Rather than doing a quick and devastating takedown as Francis Collins, the singer there, and former director of the National Institutes of Health. Uh, Remember that the email? They wanted to have quick and devastating takedown of the Great Barrington Declaration. They were trying to coordinate the hit pieces through the media at the time. Because we can't let anybody hear these other ideas. No one shall have another opinion than us. People will die. Well, people did die. The same amount of people that died under your worst-case scenario. There was never an exit strategy from lockdowns and mandates, but they eventually did find an exit nonetheless. It came in the form of a heavily footnoted and opaquely written reversal published by the main bureaucracy responsible for the disaster. It amounts to a repudiation without saying so. And thus does the great experiment in mass compulsion come to an intellectual end. The general approach was technocratic central planning rooted in a deep suspicion of basic tenets of freedom. How many people on the planet have now been acculturated to top-down control? How many people across the planet are now socialized to live in fear, to accept whatever comes down from above, never to question an edict, and expect to live in a world of rolling man-made disasters? And was that the point, after all? to cultivate low expectations for life on earth and relinquish the soul's desire for a full and free life? I mean, these are the fundamental questions that the pandemic should be prompting and and should be answered. And should be answered. Fauci's exit that he announced today that he's going to be retiring, right, that's not, that, that should not short circuit the exploration of the answers to those questions. It won't for me. I don't think it's going to for Rand Paul either. (laughs) Just a hunch on that one. But we'll see. All right, thanks everyone for hanging out. I appreciate it. Brett Winterbull is coming up next, so stick around. I will see you tomorrow. Don't break anything while I'm gone.